Welcome to another episode of Low Expectations Podcast. I'm your host, Ty, and we are back with another episode today. Okay, so let's just jump right into it. Today's outline, I'm going to start off the top with a little rant um, about the Packers-Lions game. I'm going to put on my homer hat and rant about kind of the narrative and discussion going around about that game. Then we're going to transition into week seven picks, um, the NFL season. Um, and so, and then after that, we're going to talk a little college about the QBs. <laughs> I know, again, another quarterback discussion, but I think there's a, this is an interesting quarterbacks class, even though it's way too early to talk about it. I just want to get my opinion out early on these guys. Um, and uh, just a couple of them. So that, that we'll do that. And then we'll go after that. <clears throat> we'll end with the baseball playoffs. Um, we are a few hours away from Astros Yankees game four. So hopefully you can listen to this before that game. If not, um, we're going to try and get my thoughts on the series as a whole and what direction it's going in. So hopefully it's not too outdated um, after game four. But uh, <clears throat> um, yeah, so that's kind of the outline for today's episode. Um, so let's just dive right in. Okay, so the Packers Lions game. The Packers win the game 23 uh, 22. Um, and basically the narrative around the game is that the, um, that the, the refs gave the game to the Packers because the two hands of the face calls on Trey Flowers, um, basically those, and then the non-pass interference call on the drive where the Packers got the ball back and eventually drove down and won the game. Okay. You know, and I'll start this off with being fair. Um, I am a diehard Packers fan, as I've said thousands of times on this show. I don't hide that. Um, I never will. Um, and I would be mad if I was a Lions fan about those calls. And and I would. I would. I'd be frustrated. But let's, let's, let's stop with the refs gave the Packers the game. The Packers are down. So they, Devontae Adams doesn't play from the start. Um, Geronimo Allison gets knocked out of the game in the second half. Marquez Valdez-Scantling was clearly hurt. <clears throat> like, he was not right. He, he really wasn't. So, basically, they're down to Darius Shepard, Alan Lazard. These are guys that you do not know of. <laughs> if you're not, unless you're a diehard Packers fan, you've not heard of these receivers. Maybe you've heard of Kumaro, but still. Like, <laughs> come on. The Lions had their chance to put this game away and never have it be in the ref's hands early in the game. They settled for field goals twice, twice. And then let's talk about how the touchdown they got. I mean, we're still not sure if that's a touchdown. There was no clear view that that was a touchdown. One ref said it wasn't. The other ref said it was. So I just, so you had a chance. You're in Lambeau, a game that you're coming off a bye. You really feel like you're legit after you almost beat the Chiefs. You go for a big shot play with a flea flicker on the first play of the game. It works. You get down inside the red zone. You're down inside the 10, I think. Get get a touchdown. <laughs> don't cry and bitch about the refs. Put six on the board there. Put seven on the board there. You don't do it. Then again, you get down there. You're up 10-0 already after Green Bay's just shooting themselves in the foot. Aaron Jones fumbles. Um, and you got a chance to go up 17-0. And again... Hawkinson drops a touchdown in the end zone, um, knocked out by Adrian Amos, good play, and then you settle for three again. So instead of it possibly being 17-0 or, hey, best case scenario for the Lions, 21-0, and this game being basically over, um, it's 13-10. It's 13-0. You had your chance. You're on the road. You, you, you can't settle for field goals there. Don't cry about the refs when that happens. And also don't cry about the revs when literally it's 19-13 and Green Bay's going in to score to take the lead and the ball bounces off Darius Shepherds, who had a, I mean, poor kid. He had a terrible, terrible game. He fumbles a punt too. Um, the ball bounces off his face mask and it's picked off. Or it would have been a touchdown or they would have the ball at the one if he catches it. But he slips, the ball hits off his face mask and you get it. So you get a gifted gifted turnover. Aaron Jones fumbles, Darius Shepard fumbles a punt. You win the turnover battle easily, easily, and you lose the game. You have 
58 yards in the second half. And you want to talk about the refs? I mean, like, get out of here. Give credit to the Packers defense. Um, 58 yards in the second half. They 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 bend but don't break, you know, that saying early in the first. They don't give up touchdowns. And then Rodgers does his thing. Rodgers was amazing in this game. Really, this, the final stat line doesn't indicate it because, I mean, um, LaFleur said they had like five, six drops. I counted nine. <laughs> So, I mean, I just – it's it's like, okay, I would be frustrated with the refs too if I was a Lions fan. I know I would. I mean, really, I know I would. But also, <laughs> this idea that the refs took the game from you guys, I mean, that's ridiculous. You had 58 yards in the second half. I mean, get out of my face. Like, that's, that's terrible. You have 58 yards in the second half. Um, you can't put them away early in a game where you want to be taken seriously in Lambeau at night, you want to act like, Hey, this isn't the same old lions that everyone's used to. Um, We're different this year. We're a true contender in this division. That's really cementing itself as the best division in football. And um, you got to put them away. You got the chance early green Bay comes out slow for the first time all season, really. You gotta put them away. You got, and you don't do it, and you don't do it, and you lead basically the entire game. You literally lead basically the you lead for fifty seven minutes of this game, maybe more, and you lose. Don't blame the refs. You gotta you gotta take some for yourself. And the one on Trey Flowers has been confirmed that it was the right call, head or Nick area. And that's the thing. Like I hear people all oh, the game was fixed. Like I didn't hear all this crying when there was two blatant, obvious PIs against the Eagles, and not shit was said. And I didn't hear oh the game was fixed. I mean, Bill Simmons, shut the fuck up. Like that's an embarrassing tweet. Not really surprising coming from you. Um, ESPN does a whole thing about how the refs took the game away from the Lions. Where was this when the Eagles? The refs literally. I mean, it was the same two missed pass interference calls. We're talking about two hands to face calls that one ended up being the correct call. It's not the Packers' fault. The Lions had twelve men on the field on a field goal. That's that's again, that's on the Lions. Packers took advantage of it. Also, Aaron Jones dropped a touchdown pass. You're not going to get a worse Aaron Jones game all season. And again, the Packers are down to Alan Lazard and Darius Shepard and a hurt MBS and. Jake Kumro and Jimmy Graham, who's so washed. Like, I wish we could just wash our hands of that contract and um, move on because he's pathetic. Um, that's a, as good as Brian Gudikins has done as the Packers GM. That one is just such a bad miss. And it's been, it's so frustrating to watch him. Um, with Sternberger back off the IR now. Mercedes Lewis and Sternberger and when Tanya gets healthy roll with those guys as your tight ends because I'm done with Jimmy Graham he's he's embarrassing um but yeah like it's just it's it's annoying because like the refs did not give them that game the Lions 58 yards in the second half um and one call turned out to be right and then these are just you had a chance to put them in the way in the first half and you don't do it now that's a homer take that's a homer segment I'm not gonna lie I, um, but it also is true. Like you got to step on their, you got to step on their neck when you have a chance. You can't let Rogers hang around like that. How many times you got to learn lions. You can't let Rogers hang around like that. The, the Hail Mary, um, in 15, the game winning touchdown pass to Cobb in 2012. I mean, he owns you guys. You, you got to put him away when you have the chance and you don't do it. So, I mean, that's an, and it's a huge swing. Like it's a, it's a, just a massive swing in the division. Instead, the Lions could have been three, one and one green Bay's four and two Minnesota's four and two Chicago's three and two. All of a sudden it's like, man, the lions are really looking in good position here. And now green Bay's five and one, those other two teams are the same and they're two, two and one. That's tough. That's a tough one to swallow. Um, if you're a lions fan and for me, I'm just laughing, like I'll laugh. We're five and one. You're blaming the refs after you didn't you settle for field goals in the red zone and you had 58 total yards in the second half and you won the turnover battle. Rogers pick, Jones fumble, Shepard fumble. You won the turnover battle three times, three to zero, and you I mean, like, look in the mirror. You lost that game because of yourself. 
Okay, so yeah, that's that's the rant to start off the top of the show. Let's go into week seven picks. On the year, I'm 21 and 16, um, still above 500, kind of hit a rough patch last week, um, the last two weeks with two, um, well, just last week we were two and four, but uh, last week was hard. I had, I had trouble finding six games that I like. I really, really like week seven here. Um, and... So hopefully we can get back on track here. Still 21 and 16 on the season. That's solid. Um, but I ho- hopefully we can get rolling again here. Back and have a four and two, five and one, and hell, maybe even six in a week. I really, really like this week. Okay, so let's just jump right in. First pick of week seven is we're going back to them. <laughs> we're going back to them. The Los Angeles Rams minus three against the Atlanta Falcons. This, I mean, I'm the Rams are in trouble just because the division they're in is so hard. San Francisco looks to be legit. Seattle keeps winning these close games. They they have the MVP right now um, on their team. So they're they're in trouble because they're just kind of falling behind these teams. Um, but I'm not ready to give up on them. They easily could have won that Seattle game. They slept walked through the Tampa game. Um, and then the Niners just really beat them up. The Niners full stop just beat them up. Um, but, you know, We'll, I, I'm not. I'm not out on the Rams quite yet. Um, I, and also, this is more just a pick against the Atlanta Falcons, who truly look like they've given up. I mean, Kyler Murray. I believe in Kyler. I loved Kyler coming out. I like Cliff. Like, I think that's a good infrastructure, and that could they could have a bright future. And I think Kyler's a special talent. But man, you just get absolutely torched. Your defense is just getting torched by everyone. How do you follow up giving fifty plus to the Texans? And then go into Arizona and give up 34 more. And Kyler Murray, 27 to 37, three touchdowns, zero picks, um, 340 yards, like just completely an embarrassing defensive performance by the Atlanta Falcons. I think this is a definitely a get right game for Goff and McVay and that offense. I think the Ramsey trade, um, which in a value sense, I think I like it for both teams. I've been on record how special of a talent I think Jalen Ramsey is. Um, he's a top two, three corner at absolute worst in the league. And I think that could spark some energy back into the Rams. And the Falcons are just, I mean, they're just done, man. I mean, this this team's an embarrassment. They're, they're one in five. Um, and... You know, I don't know what they're waiting for to fire Dan Quinn. I've talked about it. I know they're not really a reactionary organization, but what are you waiting for at this point? Maybe the Rams come in and smack him, and, and then he's gone. I don't know. Or maybe they're just going to give him the full year for the tank or, or whatnot. But uh, I really like Rams minus three here. I think this definitely is a get-right game for the Rams offense. Um, you know, I'd probably load up with Rams on, on daily fantasy uh, you know, Cup, Woods, Cooks. I mean, you saw um, the Falcons totally not be able to guard Will Fuller um, a few weeks ago, uh, the speed guy. So maybe Cooks would be a good play. Goff was terrible last week, really downright atrocious. And But I think Goff's just really turned into a guy that can have a really good week one week. I thought he played well against Seattle. I thought maybe he was turning the corner a bit, and then he was downright terrible in San Francisco. So maybe he can have a good week and then a bad week. That might just be the type of quarterback he is. Um, that's a whole different discussion, but I'd roll with Rams minus three here. Um, I, I think this was pretty easy honestly i think this is an overreaction i think the rams lost to two really good teams tampa they can sneak up on you that was a weird game they lose to two really good teams the next two weeks and now there's a lot of panic like this i would like if they would have just even won the seattle game i think this line's maybe rams minus six if zerline hits that kick like i think this is over an overreaction i think the rams roll here honestly um i just don't see any way atlanta can stop them so Next pick of the week, um, the Houston Texans plus one against the Colts. Basically a pick them here. Um, we go against the spread, so I'm taking the plus one. I think the money line's even right now, plus 100 even, you know. So, um, so yeah, I think I just think Deshaun Watson's locked in right now. I think the Colts coming off a bye, that's not ideal, but with the coach they have, they've, they've had extra time to prepare. 
you know, maybe a letdown spot for the Texans after they just beat the Chiefs. But I'm, I'm not going to go against Deshaun. The Colts defense, 28th in DVOA. I think this is going to be another big Deshaun and Hopkins and Fuller game. Fuller and Hopkins listed as questionable, but I think both will play. And really, you go look at that Chiefs game for the Texans. That game really, I mean, Fuller drops a bunch of passes, and that game looks a lot better for Deshaun's stat line. Um, you look at Deshaun's stat line, and it's not great. But again, those drops by Fuller really hurt his stat, his stat line. I thought he played fantastic in the Chiefs game. I mean, he was 30 for 42, 280 yards, one touchdown, one pick. But again, I mean, two picks. But again, Fuller with those drops, that, that game really was kind of dominated by the by the Texans, which got to be concerning if you're a Chiefs fan. Um, in Indy, I think this is a really good game, but I just like getting Deshaun. I, I just want to roll with Deshaun, man. I just think he's so special. I think he probably moved ahead of Mahomes in the MVP race after last week. Um, and he's a special player. I think he's, I think he's a top five quarterback in the league, no doubt about it. Um, and, and I, and I just want to roll with him again. And those receivers against that, that secondary, I just don't think Indy has much of a chance to stop them 28th and DVOA, like I said. So that's the second pick third pick rolling with my guy, Kyler Murray. Again, they're plus three at the giants. Um, Kyler's looking good, man. He's really looking good. And, and it's not really surprising to me. I thought he could really put up some big numbers this year and it would come in losses, uh, they're two and three here. The Giants, or they're two, three and one, and the Giants are two and four. Um, even teams, and that's what the line suggests with the Giants being at home, getting the minus three. But I'm just gonna roll with Kyler here. I like Kyler better than Daniel Jones, who's really the the hype train. I know it was against New England. I know Giants fans, you don't have to remind me. I know that, but um, it's really kind of come to a stop the hype train and Kyler's really separated himself from the pack as far as winning offensive rookie of the year, in my opinion. Um, and I like Arizona plus three. I think the giants defense is, is really, really bad. Um, and I mean, it's not like the Cardinals defense is bad. I think this actually could be a, is, I mean, is good. I mean, you have the Cardinals is 30th and the giants is 23rd. So, but again, I just think the Giant in defensive DVOA, I just think the Giants are not good at all. And I like Daniel, I like Kyler Murray a lot, lot better than Daniel Jones. So we're rolling with Kyler here. And that's the third pick. Um, the next pick is the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road, minus three and a half um, against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are just an embarrassment. I mean, they're just a downright embarrassment. Um, they lose to the Ravens last week. Nothing to be ashamed of there, but. The week before, Arizona beats them at home. This is a must-win for Jacksonville. When you look at where they are, the Texans being four and two, the Colts being three and two, they're two and four. They really cannot afford to lose this game if they want to make a run at the division and even the wild card. Um, they got to get this game. Um, Cincinnati's defense is 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 just atrocious. I mean, it's it's. 31st and they're ahead of Miami. So like they're the, basically the worst actual defense in the NFL since Miami's not a real team. Um, I could see Leonard Fournette really just kind of torch in this defense as he kind of has gotten going, not last week, but the prior weeks against Denver and, and um, Carolina, he played well. Um, I could just see them really just eating up the, eating them up on the ground. And then that defense isn't, even close to what it used to be, but there's still talent on there. We'll see how they react after they traded Ramsey. Like I said in the Rams segment, I think that's a fair trade for both teams, getting two firsts is big there. Um, and then I just think Jalen's such a special player. Like I, I think it's justifiable for the Rams. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just think this is another pretty easy one. I, I, I don't see any way since he can do anything in this game like since he's terrible I, I don't and then Menchu he had a down game last year but hey that Saints defense is looking solid and we'll get to them later they're also involved in the picks um so but uh I could see Fournette really dominating this game Menchu having a bounce back game um and the Jags kind of roll here um not roll but can win 23-13 or something like that enough to cover this spread um 
So I, I definitely like that. I mean, if you want to be safe and buy it to three and deal with the VIG, and that's your choice. Um, that wouldn't be a bad play either. Um, but uh, we got Jags minus three and a half here. Next pick um, is the New Orleans Saints plus three against the Chicago Bears. I mean, here's the thing. The Saints defense the last two weeks, the last, I mean, they go into Seattle, they, they, they give up a ton of yards, but hey, they, they, they did get a lot of turnovers. Um, and they, I thought they played decently well. They, they, got, they played Dallas. They completely shut them down, hold them to 10 points. Um, then they, they play the Bucs. And again, they, they really, I mean, Jameis throws the ball there. Jameis really, I mean, Jameis didn't play bad that game, but still they only give up 204 passing yards. Another good performance. And last week they completely shut down the Jags on the road. Um, Minshew was 14 for 29, 163 yards, one pick. Fournette, 20 carries and only 72 yards. Um, they, their defense is really locked in right now, playing well. And I just, I mean, Leonard Fournette, only 3.6 yards per carry. They're, the Saints are 14th in defense DVOA, but that Texans game really and the Rams game kind of really dropped that down. Like I said last week, a few bad games can really hurt your DVOA early in the season. Um, and I just think this is going to be a close game and I'll just take the points. I mean, I like Teddy better than, um, Daniels. Um, I think it's still chase Daniels for this game. I think this is going to be a low scoring slug fest of a game where either team can win and it's going to come down to a field goal. So give me the points. I think this is another good one. Another one I really like, um, Teddy's done a really, really good job at just, managing the game i mean he's not done anything special he really has only played well against tampa <clears throat> um so it's not like he's done anything special but he's not really turned the ball over he's taking care of the ball he's run the offense he's not trying to do anything outside of just doing his job um and he's done well so so i definitely just like taking the points and what i feel like is going to be a grounded out pound slugfest of a game just take the three and i like it um so that's five last pick um um it's this is that gta meme again it's like oh shit here we go again going back to the eagles <laughs> the eagles have killed me now twice this week uh, twice this year the falcons game was big on them they they slaughtered me and then last week i was big on them and they slaughtered me again Secondary is a real problem. Sidney Jones just is getting picked on, and that whole secondary is getting picked on. Um, but I just still can't quit the roster for some reason. I mean, I've been a big Eagles roster fan since 2017 when I picked him to win the division. Um, I just think the roster is loaded. I think Howie's done a really good job building this roster. I think Wentz has honestly been a really, really good quarterback this year. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, but – uh. Plus three against the Cowboys. Again, I just think this could be a, a, a really close one possession, one score game. And and give me the Eagles. Because I think while the Cowboys, and this was what winning a Super Bowl does, it kind of allows you to still be super confident if your team struggles. Um, and I think the Eagles are feel still feel confident. Like I think if you talk to people in their building off record, they would tell you, hey, we feel confident. I think their team and their fans still feel confident in this team. I think they feel like they can get it together. Um, whereas the Cowboys, I think if you got them off record, they they'd really kind of act panicked here. I mean, they go into the they go into New Jersey or MetLife or where, wherever that I mean, wherever that stadium is, and they lose that game to the Jets. Um, and that's just brutal. I mean, that's a brutal, brutal loss. They're three and three now. Eagles three and three too. That division's really up for grabs between those two teams. And I just think the Eagles are the more confident, more. I mean, Dallas is, has a lot of talent too, but I believe in Philly's talent more. And I think this this. I mean, let's see what the over under is for this game. Over under is forty eight and a half. I don't know. Like I could see this going either way, really. I could see just both defenses kind of falling apart because the Cowboys defense has a ton of talent on it, but it has not been that special this year. It really hasn't. I mean, 25th in defensive DVOA, they've been bad. Philly, 13th in defensive DVOA. Their defensive line and front seven still stacked. That secondary Dak can probably really take advantage of. But um, Cooper is questionable. We don't know if Cooper is going to play. 
as as time of this recording. If he can't play, that's going to be killer. He's he has a thigh bruise. I mean, that's we'll see. Um, I mean, I'm trying to see if we have any update. No long term damage. We'll see. He's listed as questionable right now. They need him. If they have him, Cooper against Philly last year had a monster game late in the season. Um, but even if he goes, it doesn't seem like he's going to be at 100%. Uh, Gallup might be a nice daily fantasy play if you just think this Eagles secondary has no chance against damn near anyone right now. But I just like taking Philly and the points here in a game that I think could be a field goal game. Again, if you want to buy it to three and a half, same with the Saints, that's fine. Um, but I think getting the points here is the, is the smart play. And I just can't quit this Eagles team for some reason. Um, it's just a team that really has a ton of talent. And I believe in, I believe in the coach. It's, oh my God, the over-under for the Saints-Bears game is 38. Like they, that's going to be a, an absolute slugfest of the game. Feel even better about getting the points. Um, so yeah, I mean, Eagles plus three there is the last pick. I think it could there's there's scenarios where it's a shootout and there's scenarios where like it it's a slugfest like that's going to be a super interesting game sunday night game um so yeah that's those are the picks so just to to go over them again rams minus three at the falcons um the only worry here i have with these picks is is i'm now just realizing i went all road teams but um hey the road teams are killing it against the spread this year i don't have the exact numbers in front of me but they're absolutely killing it against the spread so if you would have went straight road teams this year you'd be in the plus like a ways like it's just i don't know one of those years i guess and i'm sure that'll swing back to norm normal uh, hopefully that's not this week since we're on six road teams but rams minus three at the falcons are the that's the first pick cardinals plus three at the giants second pick saints plus three at the bears third pick Eagles plus three at the Cowboys fourth pick Texans plus one at the Colts fifth pick Jags minus three and a half at the Bengals is the sixth pick again 21 and 16 on the year um, and those are the six for week seven um, enjoy it um, I haven't talked and now just transitioning to college ball I just I wanted to get my thoughts on these quarterbacks coming out um, on record right now because it's a super interesting class to me. College years kind of been straight chalk. Like, I don't think we've really even had that one big upset yet. Um, but I, I'm not going to even talk about that. I'm going to talk about the quarterbacks and, and strictly just four. So this is probably going to be a quick discussion, but just get my thoughts on the quarterbacks early. It's way too early for this because so much changes in the draft process. And that's, we got to just, I mean, that's a huge caveat here. We have all, Still a bunch of games left to to watch these guys, and then really draft season will start. So we have a ton of time here. But just my original thoughts on these guys um, coming out just at the quarterback position. Um, let's start with Tua. Um, Tua is a special player, in my opinion. I'm all in on Tua. Um, just the way he anticipates throws, the way he drives the ball, I understand the receivers he has with Judy, especially Judy. It looks like Julio Jones at times at, at, at Bama. Like Judy's going to be a top five pick. He's a special player. Um, and he's got, I mean, Tua literally could not be in a better situation with this amazing high powered electric Bama offense. But man, I mean, just the way he anticipates throws, this is going to be an unfair comparison to Tua just because this guy's a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer. And, you know, living up, giving this to giving this comparison to a college kid is is probably unwise and dumb. But uh, he reminds me of Breeze, man. Like just because and, and it, for a few reasons, the arm strength isn't anything special. And it's the same with Breeze. The arm strength's never been special, but. Breeze is so accurate. He throws with anticipation. He knows where the ball needs to be. And Tua does all that. I mean, at the college level, again, with these amazing receivers, but still, the way Tua will just step into these throws and drive the ball down the seam, it's just like, geez, that's a, that's special stuff. And then the way he anticipates throws, I mean, it's next level stuff. Like, I really just, and again, this is all situational and it, it can depend where you go and where you get drafted, but I would be surprised if he fails. He's just such a special player. 
He knows the game so well. Um, super high IQ guy. Just just special. He's super fun to watch. He really is. Um, and he's definitely QB1 for me right now. I, I just I, I love watching him. I mean, Bama's super, super fun to watch. And he's he's got to be the first pick. Um, I don't really even think it's close. I, and we'll get to that here in a second. Um, what would be close and what will be more interesting discussion, even though they, they might never be compared because they're going to be in different draft classes, but it's Trevor first Tua. I like Trevor better. I think Trevor's a better prospect, even though Trevor's having a ba- down year. I mean, I'm already kind of all in on Trevor. <laughs> I've said um, Trevor Lawrence, if, I mean, obviously, but um, I've said Trevor is one of the best quarterback prospects I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, I kind of jumped the gun on that and he's had a down year this year, but still, like, I just think, I think he's special. Like I just, the way, I mean, he anticipates throws, he drives the ball, all the things Tua does, plus his arm strength's out of this world. Um, But Tua definitely in this class has got to be QB1. Um, You know, hopefully he doesn't go to Miami and just get completely ruined because, I mean, that's always, again, the situation is so big with these guys, but I'd be surprised if he fails. Um, Herbert, and I'll be honest, Herbert, I, I think Herbert, uh, Herbert, I would take in the top ten. I think it, it's. It, I haven't seen a ton of Herbert to be honest, so I gotta watch more of Herbert. For some reason, I just haven't watched him a ton. Now he's been talked about for a while. Um, some people are worried about the height. I don't know what to do with that. Um, now being too tall, I mean that's a different discussion. Um, but uh, I haven't seen a ton of him. I thought he looked good against Auburn for the most part. He's got a lot of arm strength. He's got a lot of talent. Um, I just need to see more of Herbert. Um, I, I just hopefully Oregon stays in the race so I can see more of Herbert and what he's all about. Um, so so I don't have a ton of Herbert takes right now. Eason, Jacob Eason. Now, this guy has an, an interesting story. He, he starts out at Georgia. He loses the job to Fromm, who we'll get to. Um, so he transfers, he goes to Washington and I've actually, for some reason, seen a lot of Eason. I think it's just cause Washington, you know, they've, I mean, they play BYU and I watched that game pretty closely and also Washington just kind of plays the late, these late games where I'm just messing around on a Saturday night and I'll just flip it over to the, to the Washington game. And there he is. Um, they kind of have had a disappointing year as a team. Um, with two losses already. Um, but man, I like Eason. I like Eason. Now he's more raw. He's raw. I think he's more raw than Herbert, but man, his arm talent is legit. Like he can make the throw, like he can make all the throws. He really just drives the ball too. He throws with anticipation when he's got a dealing. Um, now I know it was, it's BYU and they're two and four now and not looking good at all, but man, he was like, 17 of 18 at one point maybe even better than that i mean he and BYU's defense isn't bad like he was just completely slicing them up um i like eason like he would be second for me and i and again i need to watch herbert more and this is bound to change um but eason really just has a ton of talent i think there's a lot to work with there He's had an he's had a kind of a weird college career, losing the job to Fromm, like I said at Georgia, transferring. But he's really playing well. Like he's he's really throwing the ball well. He really has a big arm. He can make a ton of throws. He can fit the ball into tight windows, and he can. And I like him. I'm 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 in on Eason, um, especially if you can get him in a place like, um, like the Chargers per se. Like say if the Chargers keep slipping and all of a sudden they have like the 11th pick or something again this is all going to change but and they pick him and he could sit behind rivers for a year or whatever the case may be a situation like that like i i like that i i mean i think eason can definitely be a really good player in the nfl one day um so you know i i do like eason um so moving on burrow the lsu kid now this is interesting because so another interesting story, he goes to Ohio State, um, gets blocked by Haskins, who has an incredible season last year at Ohio State, and then Fields comes in um, from Georgia. Um, 
and Fields is the starter. And, I mean, Georgia keeping from for over Fields, yeah, not looking good. But um, um, and so then he goes to LSU, and I mean, I reached out to a few guys that I trust about this stuff just because it's like, what, what, what's going on here? Because he's really looking good. Um, Burrow is. I mean, he's been special, and um, really, they were like. Yeah, he's spelled because I was like, is he a first round pick? And they were like, no, he's a mid round guy right now. And that was what's surprising me. But they're like, he's already moving up the boards. You know, before the season, he would have been an undrafted guy or a seventh round pick just because of the, you know, they someone would have taken a chance on him late, late, late or given him a, a camp invite because he really was just a high recruit that never worked out. Um, and I read a story on him, and he's a super confident guy. He's always had a ton of confidence, and now he's just finally getting his opportunity, and he's making the most of it. I mean, he's just – he's he looks really good, really, really good. And that's why I was really surprised because I, I was like, hey, this guy's a first-round pick because LSU has been super fun to watch this year, and I've actually watched quite a bit of him. Um, and it's like, this guy has to be a first-round pick, right? And they're like, no, he's, he's there. Hopefully he can go day two. But again, this stuff, you got to just always have the caveat. This stuff is going to change. We have a ton of games and they're going to go through the draft process and all that. So he could definitely skyrocket. Like I think in the midseason of the year, Baker went one. I think people had him as a day two pick or maybe in a late first. Like no one ever thought Baker could go one until like the day before the draft. And then all of a sudden he went one. I'm not saying Burrow's going to go one. I don't think so, especially not with two of there and just the strength of this quarterback class. But hey, man, if he. If he takes LSU to the playoff and and he just continues to to really ball out, like who knows how high he can get up these boards and and he's been impressive to me. And someone told me they have Fromm ahead of him, and I didn't get that at all. Like I I, I know Fromm, like Fromm, he's a good college quarterback. He's produced at the college level. Man, I just don't see the intangibles at the next level. With Burrow and Eason, you already have a lot to work with because their arm talent's legit. With Fromm, he has a big arm, but the intangibles aren't there. Like, he's inaccurate most of the time. Um, they lose that game to South Carolina where he just played terrible. Um, from really, I think if they would have kept Eason or, or maybe just – I think Fromm's the reason Georgia's not, and this isn't fair to the kid because he's had a good career, but but they lose these big games, and Fromm has always kind of struggled. I think, um, and I, I'm not I'm not in on Fromm, and I heard people saying he's 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 gonna be a late first. Like I don't see that at all. Like I think that would be a mistake, at least right now. Um, keeping Justin Fields, I mean, letting Fields walk out the door and keeping Fromm for Georgia is not looking good at all. Um, and I'm, I'm not in on from, I'm, I'm not, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I just think the intangibles really aren't there with from he's inaccurate. He does have a big arm, but he's inaccurate and the athleticism's not like a lead or nothing. And that's the other thing with Tua, you can move around and Eason can move around. Um, and Burrow can a little bit too. So like, I just think those three, and then I'd have Herbert too. Like I, and then and then the Utah State kid love. Like I just think there's a lot of better quarterbacks than Fromm in this class. Um, I'm not in on Fromm, so I like basically all four of those other guys. I don't really like Fromm. Love, I'm not going to act like I've watched. I mean, a ton. I I think he's had a down year, but you you I've seen him throw the ball. Like when I watched him last year, I was like, okay, yeah, I get it. I get the hype around this kid. Like he's Again, the ball pops off his hand, um, but I need to watch more of him and Herbert. But I've seen a ton of Fromm, and I'm never just walked away and been like, "Man, Fromm, man, you know, yeah, Fromm." I, I just don't really see that with him. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to get my thoughts on these kids because this is a super interesting quarterback class. I think with two at the top, in my opinion, for sure. So, so yeah, that's kind of the segment on that. Transitioning to the last segment, um, the baseball playoffs. And the Washington Nationals, they're in the World Series. They were just much more talented than the Cards. I honestly kind of wish the Braves would have won because we've got to see the Braves. At least they can maybe match the Nats talent-wise. 
not their pitching staff because when you can throw out Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, and then, I mean, like, just forget about it. You know, like, that's a filthy rotation. It's why a lot of people like the Nationals even when they lost Bryce. And my goodness, if this isn't just an all-time Ewing theory for the Nats. And then, and then, um, with losing Harper, and then you have Sanchez. He pitches a one hitter against the freaking Cards in Game One. The Nats' rotation is just really balling right now. They're in the World Series, and their rotation gives them a shot against anyone, even these two powerhouses in the AL. That it is. Um, you know, obviously, I'd pick the Astros or the Yankees. I think the winner of this series is going to win the World Series, but the Nats' rotation gives them a puncher's chance. Um, and Soto and Rendon locked in. Howie Kendricks really just carried off his grand slam against the Dodgers into this, where he just NLCS MVP. Nats are really playing with house money right now. Um, there they get the time off now while these two teams battle it out. Um, to where they can set up their whole rotation to how they want it set up. Um, so they they have a lot working for them right now, and you know, congrats to them. They they've their fans have been through a lot of heartbreak before this year. They'd never won a playoff series. They they've lost a lot of playoff series, a lot of game fives. They've lost in the NLDS, and they finally break through the year after they lose Bryce. I mean, that's just all time Ewing theory. I I called out Simmons earlier, but man, he's got to be loving this Ewing theory for the Nats. Um, so, so big for them. Um, and then transition to the, to the other series. Who boy, um, disappointing game three performance from Luis, Luis Severino, who now in seven of his eight playoff starts have, has went less than five innings. I know the stat line ended up being okay. Cause he only allowed the two runs, but but against Garrett Cole, you just cannot put your team behind like that. The second batter into the game, you're down 1-0. <sighs> I mean, I just thought that was a terrible performance by Seve. And he just continues to really struggle in the playoffs. I don't know what his problem is. I have a theory that he just gets so hyped up. He overthrows in these games. But it's tough, man, to go behind to Cole that quickly. That's just demoralizing. It sucked the life out of the building. Um and then in the second inning, they're down 2-0. And now it's like, Jesus, like you can you can deal with one run maybe, but against Cole, who's literally won his last 19, 19 and 0. Like, Jesus, this guy's unbeatable right now. To go behind like that so early is devastating, and it really just puts the team in a hole. But hey, the Yankees had their shot. They they had their shot in the first. They they get first and second, no outs. <sighs> Brett Gardner batting in the three hole instead of Glaber Torres, who's been the only bat to show up in this series is mind-boggling like this like i've said it i've learned to respect gardner whatever but batting him ahead of your 22 year old phenom who's literally locked in and on fire right now makes no fucking sense and i get it like the lineup has been known like the order of the lineup has been known to have little impact but in these games it can like over the course of a 162 game season of course i'm not going to sit here and complain about every single lineup but when in these games it matters because glaber walked he walked so it could have been i mean again now he would attack the hitters differently and all that but it could have been bases loaded no outs if that if just glaber would have came up and walked and it's just you would just feel better seeing glaber torres who's becoming the best player on the team in that spot instead of brett gardner who i i don't even know why he's in the lineup at this point like they need stan i know stan's hurt but they need him they need stan back desperately like Giancarlo, let's fucking go you know i, I never want to call a player out for being hurt like if he's hurt he's hurt can't go he can't go but man we need you I know you're not listening, of course, but we need him. They need him. They just do. It's frustrating. It, it's just frustrating. Like, I don't, I thought that was, I thought Boone had been pretty good in the series. I thought, hey, he managed game two as well as he could. Uh, bringing Chad, taking Chad Green out and putting in uh, Adam Ottavino, who's been downright terrible for a few months now, like ending the regular season, he was awful. Um, and then the playoffs, he's been horrible like atrocious 
doesn't didn't make a ton of sense, but I get it. Like Green was had a lot of pitches. He'd been great. Advino comes in and gives up a moon ball to Correa. Um or Springer. No, it was Springer. It was Springer. Correa walked it off. Um but I thought Boone managed game two as well as he could. The offense, offense got to take that one. Also, Paxton. I mean, these starters, you 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 can't give me three innings. Like you can't be like Luis Severino, you can't be at 60 fucking pitches in the second inning. That's unacceptable. Paxton and Severino really let this team down right now. I mean, Tanaka has to just be fucking pissed. Like him and Glaber gotta be just like furious. Like we're the only ones showing up right now. I know Judge had the home running game too. Um but it's just not been good enough. It's not been good enough. A lot of guys and and the guys go through slumps. Like that's what I always say. Like you watch a guy game in and game out in the MLB, you really notice how many slumps they actually go through. And just to a casual fan, you don't really notice that. And then when you turn in the playoffs, like, wow, look at this through two games. Like that's just how baseball works. But <laughs> Gary Sanchez, man, I love you. Everyone that knows me knows I love Gary. I defend Gary. I think he's on a Hall of Fame pace. I really think that. Gary, we need you. Uh, he's been terrible these playoffs. He hasn't really done one thing. Like, he's caught some good games, so that's part of it. You don't want to forget that part. But the pass ball isn't great. That's going to happen with Britain bouncing the fucking ball on the ground. Like, get the fucking ball up. Like, it's so annoying. Like... And then Ottavino has just been terrible. Like, I don't get what Boone was doing in game three. The The order was all fucked up. Edwin, who's been – he had a double, and he's he's been – he's had a good twin series. He's been pretty bad in this Astro series. Um, Edwin and Gardner over Glaber doesn't make sense. Lineup still hasn't come out as of time recording. I hope to see Glaber in the three-hole. Um it just that needs to happen, and hopefully Stanton can play. I'm not expecting it. I'm not Tanaka. I feel good today. I feel good. I think they can get to Grinky. I trust Tanaka. He has one of the best playoff ERAs of all time. I, I trust Tanaka. I think they can get to Grinky. I think they can even this up. But this is the season today, guys. Like Boone needs to manage like that. He said he'll keep pitching Adam Montavino. Man, we, we we don't have time for that. We we can't afford to do that. Right now, Luis Sessa is a safer bet than Adam Ottavino coming out of the pen. Like, bring Cece out for fuck's sake. Like, I don't tr I trust almost anyone ahead of Ottavino right now. He can't throw strikes. He can't throw strikes. And when he does, he hangs it. And the ball gets smashed. Like, he comes in in a 2-0 game in game three and basically ends the game. Get, puts him on the corners. Now it's lo they're loaded, no outs. Britain comes into an unfair situation to Britain. The offense needs to get going. They do. But Severino and this starting pitching has let him down. And, that, and then you go back to Cashman at the, the deadline, sitting on his hands and not doing anything. And when they lose this series, which is definitely, I think they have a chance. I think they can even it up today. And then they got to win game five against Verlander because Cole's coming. He's coming in game six. So you basically got to win these next two unless you think you can beat Cole in Houston. If we even get that far. Like, it's not a good spot, obviously. What was I saying? <laughs> I'm frustrated because they go in and they get game one with Grinky pitching a game that I felt like they could go get. And it's like, okay, they, they can split this. And then they get up 2-1 on Verlander and you're feeling great. You're like, holy shit, they're going to do the damn thing. They're going to go back to New York up 2-1. Bats go cold. I thought the bullpen did good. I thought Boone did good. Then I thought Boone did terrible in game three. The batting order was fucked up. It was bad. And then you can't pitch Ottavino. Like, you're just, it's at the point where you cannot pitch him. And then Seve, man. Like, if you want to be the ace and you just want to be Seve ace and Seve's the ace and all this and James Paxton's the ace, man, you got to, you guys got to be fucking better than that. And you guys are going to get a, hopefully get another chance if we can get, get this back to Houston here. You gotta be better than that. Um, Glaber's the only bat to show up. They need Garrett, they need something from Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez has so much talent. They need something from him. Hopefully Stanton can play. Um they gotta get to Grinky. Hopefully they can get to Grinky early. I like being at the stadium. Grinky's never pitched well at Yankee Stadium. The weird thing is though, I hate it because like they can be down 
before they even go to bat, you know? Let's see. I'm seeing if there's any updates on Stanton. It, I mean, I'm, it's terrifying. Uh, but I'm um, not seeing anything. I don't think there's any update yet. There's nothing. There's no lineup out yet. But um, this is great podcasting. It's just dead silence. Yeah, there's nothing yet. There's nothing on him yet. Um, they need him to play. Just even as a DH, like, uh, they need him to play. Um, this is a nerve-wracking game for sure. Like, oh, my gosh. I, I don't even um, – it's uh, – I, I, they got to go – obviously, they got to win this one. Grinky. They got to get to Grinky. Um, but um, yeah, man, I, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be um, interesting to see how it plays out. Um, this is a huge, huge game. Obviously, they can't go down three one. This is the season. This is literally the season. You got Verlander in Game Five, which I think they can get to at Yankee Stadium. They've struggled against Verlander, but I think they can get to him. Go Yanks. Um, go Yanks. I'm shaking. It's, it's scary. They got to win this one. They're favored. They're minus 135 right now on the money line. I think they can get to Grinky. This is a game they got to get. Um, so enjoy the game. Hopefully you can get to this before it's outdated. And um, yeah, so that's it. That's been another episode of Low Expectations Podcast. Um this episode is brought to you by Anchor, our sponsor at Anchor. Um, starting this podcast, I had a lot of questions. How do I record my podcast? How do I make money from this podcast? How do I get my podcast out on the platforms? And Anchor, they walked me through all of it. They they showed me how to do it. They, they walk you through every step. Anchor is the best way to start a podcast or listen to a podcast. They have all these. Po- they have all podcasts on Anchor. Just search the podcast you want. Pull it up on Anchor. Um, we thank them for sponsoring today's show. Also, um, just give us a five star five star review uh, and rating five star rating and review on iTunes. That'd be greatly appreciated if you don't mind. Um, you know, we don't like to ask for that too much, but it does help uh, a lot. Um, and we'd appreciate that if you can do that people that have rated and reviewed thank you they've all been positive i hope you guys keep enjoying the show um and yeah that's been it for another episode of low expectations podcast peace